you would, turn to the Bible to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13, that's where we were last week and we're back here. It's a two-part section because you've got the first beast and the second beast. Interesting, interesting passages that we are studying now. We have come a long way in the book of Revelation and yet we still have a ways to go. Last week's passage called for faith and endurance. This week's passage calls for wisdom. If this one chapter talking about the devil and all that he does has a call for endurance, faith, and wisdom, you and I must be on guard, must be aware, must pay attention cannot coast, cannot take things for granted. These things are serious. Our salvation is serious. Making sure that we know Jesus is of the utmost importance. You're familiar with all the passages that Jesus says, do not be led astray. And we'll talk about that again here in a little bit. But in the midst of these passages that are, that are under all sorts of discussion and there's so many opinions about them, there is a chance that we get lost in the sea and the land and the beast and the beast. And today we're going to see the mark of the beast and that big number 666. And obviously there's been a bunch said about that. And we miss that the emphasis here is here's a call for wisdom. The believers need to seek God for wisdom. That's what our passage is about today. That's the emphasis. And we will not allow ourselves this morning to miss the goal of the passage. Today's passage is a warning, a wake-up call, if you will, to see how strategic and crafty the devil is. Now, we have been studying for weeks this section following that seventh trumpet. And we told you that at the end of chapter 11, at the seventh trumpet, that's it. That's the end of the world. That's the return of Christ. But it's not the end of the Bible. And so chapters 12 and 13 and 14 begin to explain in more depth what is going on in, in the world and in our days and in the end times and what God is doing. Chapter 12 tells us of the devil being described as a dragon who starts a war in heaven, gets thrown out of heaven, and then the devil and his angels are wreaking havoc, making war on God's people on earth. That's a reality that we live with in our day. And that's what chapter 12, that the devil, the dragon, the dragon, the devil, works through other things, the first beast and the second beast. That was chapter 12 of the dragon, the devil making war. But then in chapter 13, we see that the devil has these two beasts that he uses for his purposes. And this is scary. This needs us to pay attention. And we need wisdom for this. We need to know how to overcome the devil. I've said it now for a couple of weeks. If we are so naive as to think that the only time the devil's getting at us is when this red figure with horns and a pitchfork is walking around our house, then we will blindly think, we're okay, we, we believe in God, we're all right, the devil's not doing anything. And this passage is wanting us to see that is so not the case. I told you last week that the first beast represents the state or the evil that is in government institutions. Now we get to the second beast. Read with me, if you will, Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. 
and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. This is the word of God. It is true and active and living, and it is the guide for our lives. It is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. It is the word that we live by, and we've come here this morning to look to it. This very word that we've read, combined with all of the words that are in this book, are the very solid rock that the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we should build our lives upon. So today we do that. My first point this morning is the devil uses people and religion for his purposes. For you kids that are using the listening page, that's number one. The devil uses people and religion for his purposes. The second beast of chapter 13 is very similar to the first beast of chapter 13. Both of them are being used by God. Last week, the first point was the devil uses people and systems for his purposes. And today, it's slightly different. They're very similar. Instead of people and systems, it is people and religion. For his purposes. You should never think that just because somebody is religious, that that means that they are right with God. You should never think that just because somebody has a belief in God, that that means that they are right with God. You should never think that somebody who is good or says that they're good or is trying to be good, all in the name of of God, is on their way to heaven. That is not right. And our passage today is showing us that the devil in his deception and in his craftiness, in his crookedness, uses people and specifically things under the umbrella of God and religion for his purposes. Now this is pretty easy to identify, easier than the first beast. Let me show you. Okay, we're talking about the second beast, and these two beasts are working for the dragon, and it was very clear in chapter 12 that the dragon is the devil. Well, keep your finger right here at chapter 13 and turn over to chapter 16. I'm going to show you three different places that you need to know. This is chapter 16. I'm going to show you places where the dragon and both beasts are talked about, okay? where the dragon and both beasts are talked about. Chapter 16, verse 13. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. They are demonic spirits. Here the second beast is called the false prophet. Turn over to chapter 19. See, I've said this every week with Revelation. If you read the Bible and study the Bible, the Bible often makes very clear the things that at first glance seem confusing. And we saw that the very first week of Revelation because chapter 1 has all of this symbolism. But it tells us what those things are. You say, oh, we got seven lampstands. Well, what in the world is that? And you read a little bit later and you think, this is so confusing. You read a little bit later and it says, the lampstands are the churches. Right? You remember that in chapter 1? That's so simple. 
unless you didn't read ahead and you just stopped at lampstands and you went out there and you were all confused about it. And when we got to the when we got to the beast last week and we saw all these different things like a bear and a lion and an eagle and all of this, we think, what in the world is this talking about? But we look back to the book of Daniel and the book of Daniel tells us that these beasts represent kings that lead empires that are evil against God. So the Bible helps us with this. And if you have studied in Revelation like we're trying to do here as a church, we see what's happening. Look at chapter 19, verse 20. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. There you see again the two beasts that work for the dragon, the first beast is called the first beast. But the second beast is called, again, the false prophet. All right, look at chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. After this beast is introduced in chapter 13 as the second beast, for the rest of the Bible and the rest of Revelation, he is referred to as the false prophet. The first beast, that's a little bit more complicated, and that's what we preached on last week. But the second beast, it tells us it's referring to the false prophet. And so what we are to see with this, okay, is that the second beast represents false religion. The first beast represents evil institutions, governments that are doing evil things. The second beast represents false religion. Anything under the name of God that is not truly representative of the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may not think about it much, but there is a lot of that. A lot. A lot. In our world today, there are billions, billions, and increasing who follow from the sixth century the prophet Muhammad and do not believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose again to be king of kings and lord of lords. Billions. Billions that have their whole lives centered on a God that is not real. This week, as we were doing some FCA and working with the team, we were looking at the different Nations represented on the team. There were many. 14 different nations represented on the team. And so we got to looking at all of their flags, and we had fun with that. And we printed out the flags of every country that they were from. It was cool. They had a good time with that. It was awesome celebrating uh, that diversity. But there was one flag that had words in the middle of it. Our flag in the United States doesn't have any words on it. Most flags do not have any words on them. But some flags do, not, not many, but some flags do. This one has some writing right across the middle. It's in a language that you don't know, so you have no idea. It's so different from our uh, alphabet that you really can't even tell that it's a language uh, to us, but to them it is. And so I asked one of the athletes, what does that say? He said, it says, God is great. On their flag, it says, God is great. It's not talking about the true God. It's not talking about the God of the Bible. It's not talking about the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many, many, many people that will say, God is great, and they don't know God. God is based off truth, 
God is based off the forgiveness of sins that comes through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The devil uses religion for his purposes. But that's not the only religion that the devil is working in. And we certainly here this morning don't want to point out how lost they are as if we're the good ones and they're not. May that not be the case. That was just a way of showing how billions are wrapped up in God and not really knowing God. We don't need to go much further at all than our own church or our own denomination of Baptists, conservatives, Bible believers, Southern Baptists, evangelicals to find fakes and hypocrites and racists and rapists and adulterers all in the mix. And we're not going to be the church that gets on everybody else before we get on ourselves. But the Bible's telling us here today that the devil is working. I know of people in our town committed to church that everybody knows he's a liar and he lies all the time. And you know people that are like that too. I know people who are known as good old men and claim to be Christians that are still as racist today as they were as racist when they were raised many years ago, and you do too. I also suffer and grieve because I got many people my age or younger who don't want anything to do with God because the people that raised them that claim to have something to do with God really didn't. That's an epidemic in our society today. And we keep talking about we want things to go back the way they used to be. I don't. The devil was working in it in so many ways. I've heard too many stories of crooked deacons, lying pastors, arrogant leaders, people that claim to be leaders for God that cheat on their wives, ignore their kids, lie in the community, and you've heard the stories too. See, when we hear that the devil is working, using people and religion for his purposes, it's so easy to think of a place like India where over a billion people claim to be Hindu and they believe in reincarnation and they seem to be so far away from the truth. That's easy for us to point out. But we got bigger issues on our hands in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our churches. And we need to recognize that the devil, who is a liar, is working. And the only answer is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. And the only answer is true repentance, where you lose all of your pride and all of your being judgmental and all of your crookedness, and you get on your knees or on your face, and you say, woe is me, God have mercy on me. It is only that person who is in the way of truth and in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil uses people and religion for his purposes. This beast, the second beast, is described throughout the rest of the Bible as the false prophet. Prophet. A prophet is somebody that speaks for God. We're familiar with the prophets. Our Bible has lots of prophets in it. Many. We've got all these minor prophets. We've got these major prophets. We've got all these people that speak for God. And the Bible tells us that there are fake ones. There are people that say, well, here's what God says. And he doesn't say that. We got people that say, here's what God's about, and he's not about that. We got people that say, here's what God stands for, and that's not what he stands for. And the Bible is telling us here that there's a beast. What a word. A beast. Big, ugly, corrupt, evil, wicked, fang, animal, creature, living. In the name of God, wrongly. 
You're not going to coast through this. Going to church is not simply the answer to make you a good person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to understand that the dragon, the devil, has beasts and he's working through sinful people that claim God. Number one, the devil uses people in religion for his purposes. But number two, same point as last week, number two, the devil often tries to mimic God, and we see this here. We were stunned, at least I hope you were, when I read verse 11, and you see the tactic and really just the, uh, the grossness. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. That ought to make you sick. We know what the lamb is. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's our identity. That's who we are. That's who we live for. We love it when John the Baptist came on the scene and he's telling everybody, get ready, Jesus is coming, get ready, Jesus is coming, get ready, Jesus is coming. And, and they're like, are, are you the one? Are you, who are you? Are you this? And he's like, I'm not the one. And Jesus walks up and he says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Every person is a sinner no matter who you are, where you're raised, you're a sinner. And the only thing that will take away your sins and make you right with God is God's lamb. We love the lamb. He was slain for us. He died on the cross for us. He suffered the judgment of God for us. He took God's wrathful punishment for us. He loves us more than anything. We love the lamb. And the Bible says right here that the devil, the dragon, has a beast that works for the devil. And he looks like the lamb. We need to stop thinking that just because somebody's a, a, a little bit nice or a little bit churchy or a little bit upstanding or, or a little bit honest over here, that all of a sudden they're Christian in a way. No. Absolutely could be caught up in something that looks like the lamb but talks like the devil because that's exactly what we see in verse 11. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. The devil often tries to mimic God. But Jesus has been telling us this for a while. Some of you all remember it's a phrase that we use all of the time in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount you will remember that Jesus said this very thing in Matthew 7, 15, and 16. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus said that himself a long time ago, that there are people out there that look like a sheep. They look a certain way. They look good. You would think, surely... I mean, he has a Bible, he preaches, he does this, he does that, you know, he, he helps people, he's nice, he means well. Jesus says there are people like that that are ravenous wolves. Revelation 13 says they talk like the dragon and they are not of God. Thankfully, in Matthew chapter 7, right after he says that, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. It's going to be my final point, but it's a call for open eyes. It's a call for alertness. It's a call for clarity and sharpness. It's a call for us to be on our toes and pay attention. Just because it looks like a sheep doesn't mean it's a sheep. Just because it looks like a lamb doesn't mean it's my lamb. Doesn't mean it's the lamb. I got a book here that tells me what my God is actually like, what he loves and what he hates and what he's about. And I can recognize every fake joker out there who's trying to act like they're on their way to heaven, but they're going to hell. And you can start with one simple thing like liar. It digs me deep every time. I know men in this community that have been going to church their whole lives that are liars and are racists. Working for the dragon in the name of the Lamb sickening gets people lost and now we got a whole generation of young people that don't want anything to do with the lamb 
because the dragon mimicked him well. The devil uses people and religion for his purposes. The devil often tries to mimic God. Tom Schreiner points out that what we see going on here is an interesting unholy trinity. Think about this. The second beast becomes the third member of an unholy trinity, functioning like an unholy spirit. Look what it says here in verse 12. Look in your Bible at verse 12. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. And it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Well, it told us last week that the first beast is doing that to get people to worship the dragon. So you got this weird trinity type thing going on where it's even further mimicking God. The second beast gets people to look at the first beast and the worship, it even uses the word worship, worship the first beast, and the first beast is trying to get people to worship the dragon. This is what's happening in the Holy Trinity, the real Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead that is real and active, convicting people of sin and leading people into truth. The truth of the way of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the God-man who came from heaven and died on the cross to bring people to his Father. The third person of the real Trinity brings people to the second person in the Trinity, Jesus, and Jesus' work on the cross and his rising from the grave brings people to the Father. This is what we know about the Trinity. And what we see here is a very similar way, is an unholy Trinity. The devil often tries to mimic God. And so we then see that he's able, if you look at verse 13, he's able to perform great signs. He can even do something miraculous like making fire come down from heaven. And verse 14 says he does those signs and it causes people to think this has got to be of God. He does miracles and signs and yet Jesus has been warning us about this too. Y'all, we're not that gullible. Just because somebody can do something fancy or pretty or seemingly miraculous doesn't make us think, well, it's got to be of God. We have a book that tells us about the way, a big book, and we know what the Lord Jesus Christ is like. We read this. We study this. We don't let our eyes get away from this day in and day out. We're like a tree planted by water that its roots are being soaked up by this truth all the time. That's what believers are. If somebody walks down the street and they literally are bringing fire down from heaven, I'm like, wow, I can't explain that. That's pretty miraculous. But it doesn't mean it's of this book. It doesn't mean it's of our Father in heaven. It doesn't mean it's of the truth. I don't care how great somebody is, how fantastic they are, how successful they are. I don't care how rich they can make you or how healthy they can make you or how pretty they can make you. If it's not of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's of the devil. And the devil is trying so hard at that. And all we've got to do is seek his wisdom for clarity. But think about this. Both Jesus and Paul have said, again, if we read our Bibles, we know. Both Jesus and Paul have said, this is what the devil does. Listen, Matthew 24, 24. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray. Jesus said that, Matthew 24. There are going to be fakes. They're going to be fakes in us, fakes among us, false prophets, false preachers, false religious people. They're going to do awesome things. They're going to lead people astray. You need to know it. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan and with all power and false signs and wonders. The Bible's been telling us this that the devil will often try to mimic God. Wilcock writes, the coupling of Christ-like appearance and satanic message. The status of prophet, the concern with worship, and the appeal to the magical all add up to one thing, false religion. 
The relationships between man and man and the relationships between man and God are both provided for in the divine plan. Yes, they are. God tells us in this book how people are supposed to relate, and God tells us in this book how we are to relate to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is provided for, but listen to what he says. The beast from the sea is Satan's perversion of society. That's the first beast. And the beast from the earth is his perversion of Christianity. That's the second beast. It's a wake-up call for us to know the truth, to discern with wisdom the truth, the way of Christ, and be the real thing. A couple years ago, when it snows in the wintertime, we usually round up as many young people as we can and go shovel driveways. We like doing that. Many of you all have done that with us, and it's fun. And a couple years ago, we were going around South Louisville, shoveling driveways, and we, sometimes we do it for like the widows in the church that they can't do it themselves, and sometimes we just see one that, that needs it and not really sure, but we ended up at this house that we didn't, we didn't know who lived there. We shoveled the driveway, it was a big one, but you get five or six people together and you can knock it out. We knocked it out. When we got finished, a widow, didn't know she lived there, comes out and says, can y'all come here? And she's crying. She says, thank y'all so much for doing that. I didn't know how I was gonna get it done. I was worried that I might fall and slip in the ice and injure myself. And I said, we're glad to do it. We're gonna move on to the next house though, but before we go, can we pray with you? We do that a lot, that's kinda of normal. You help somebody out and you try to pray with them. So right there, we huddled up, four or five of us, with her on her little front porch step, with a cleaned off driveway, and we prayed with her. God, thank you for this lady. We pray you'd bless her, give her strength, let her know you, really a simple, basic prayer. Pretty wholesome story, right? A couple days later, I get a letter here at church from her, handwritten with pencil, like 14 pages. And in it, she says, she really wishes that I would get saved. And because in that prayer I didn't speak in tongues, she knows I'm not saved. True story. I got it saved up in my office. I'm not here today to say that we're the true ones and she's the false ones. I am here today to say that if you're needing your driveway shoveled and somebody comes in the name of Jesus to shovel your driveway, I'd be thankful that God provided for my driveway to be shoveled. and in some way think that that's of God instead of thinking in some way that that's not of God. The Bible wants us to focus on Jesus. Can you hear me on that? The Bible wants us to focus on Jesus. The devil wants you to focus on all things religious minus Jesus. The devil wants you to love when you were baptized and love how much you go to church and the devil wants you to love how much money you put in the offering plate and how many times you've been to Sunday school. The devil wants you to love every good deed you've ever done and hang your hat on it. The devil wants to build a resume of churchy, religious, godly types of things that don't have the way of Christ in the center of it. That's what he wants. And if you are caught up in his stuff, you'll be blinded and think, oh yeah, great guy, goes to church. Good man, God-fearing man. But if you know the truth that the way of God is the way of the Lord Jesus Christ with a broken heart and a sensitivity to the things of God and you've been forgiven of your sins and your life now is covered in mercy and you know you need him, then the focus is Jesus. There's no more room for us to be these prideful, arrogant, judgmental people. Jesus was warring, if you want to use that word, on the Jewish people 
for all the good that they were doing with the Old Testament in hand. And they knew the scriptures and they could quote them. And they claimed that Abraham was their father. I mean, they had root on top of root on top of root wrapped up in the things of God. But they missed the point that all of that said God would send a Savior that would die for your sins. And the only way to get out of your sins is to believe in that Savior that God sends. And they didn't believe that. And so all that they had built up, and they had a lot of good stuff built up, so much so that Paul would say, there's never been anybody more self-righteous than him. He could obey the law better than anybody. He was zealous for it, and it was all worth garbage, he said, without Christ. And Jesus is hammering that point. And in Revelation, what we have is the devil calling it a beast, or God telling us that the devil has a beast, a beast, this big old thing in the world of false religion, of people who are fake hypocrites in the name of Jesus. It's not good. But we need to know the devil often tries to mimic God. Number one, the devil uses people and religion for his purposes. Number two, the devil often tries to mimic God. And then lastly... And I've been alluding to this the whole message, but here you go. Believers need wisdom to not be deceived. We need wisdom. Now, I don't mean some crazy out there wisdom. You don't necessarily have to go to somebody who can read your palm and try to figure it out. I don't mean that. I mean you need the wisdom of God, the clarity of what is the truth. And by and large, we have it in Christ. We need to stay focused on him. We read this passage earlier, Matt McBroom did, from James chapter 1, which is the go-to passage on wisdom where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God and he will give you wisdom. That applies when you're trying to decide which job you're going to take. Go to God and say, God, give me wisdom. Which one should I take? But it applies even so much more on what is the key to life. What is the way? What is the answer? God, is this a false way? Is this a false way? What is the way? And the wisdom of it all is keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not turn away from him. In the mornings, in the evenings, in the afternoon, look at Christ and his way. Death, burial, and resurrection. Grace, amazing grace that forgives you of your sins. Apart from him, you can do nothing, he says. He's the vine, you're the branches, stay focused on Jesus. We need wisdom to understand no matter what we're talking about, that's the application. We'll get distracted, we'll lose sight, and we need wisdom, we'll be deceived. Notice, if you look to verse 16, it says, it causes all, this beast causes all, it, is, it does not discriminate False religion has gotten everywhere, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave are caught up in this false religion. And it will be, they will be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. And then it says, after that, let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Now, obviously, there is a ton of stuff written and movies made and all sorts of views on what this means. We are not to think of this as a literal mark. In chapter 7, had a little bit of discussion in chapter 7, in chapter 7, we have the sight, we have the vision of all the redeemed. Y'all remember that from chapter 7. We love those passages. All right? And here's what it says. Chapter 7, verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees. Listen to this. Until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. You don't think that's literal? None of y'all got a seal on your forehead. 
Later on in chapter 7, that same passage, he says, After that I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, people, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's me. That's us. That's us. We are the redeemed who have one single song. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Salvation belongs to the God and to the lamb. That's our song. And the passage says right there, they've been sealed on the forehead. Well, not literally. We're sealed, all right. Bible talks a lot about sealed. You can go back and listen to that sermon. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. The power of God is working inside of us. I can't get out of the salvation that is in God's hand. But there's not a literal seal on me. And the same thing applies here. This seal, this mark of the beast, is simply false religion. It is the life that is trying to look like the truth, but it isn't. It's the life that's claiming truth, but is false. It's the life that's claiming God, but doesn't know God. It's the life that's wrapped up in doing good, but it's not really good. To embrace the truth is to be sealed by God. To say that Jesus is the way and therefore he is your savior, that means you are sealed by God. To not believe the truth or to believe falsehood is to be marked by the devil and it will not save you. The mark of the beast is none other than you believing in anything other than Christ. That you thinking that you're good or thinking that you're right or thinking that your eternity is real in something other than the truth of God's word and the salvation that comes through Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon, the very end of it, we don't know this for sure, but if it was Jesus' closing point, his closing illustration or application, it's when he gives that example of the wise man who built his house on the rock. And he says there that his words are the rock. The wise man builds his life on the word of Jesus. That's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Here it says it calls for wisdom. Wisdom is fearing the Lord. That's what the proverb says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, starting with him. And wisdom is that my whole life is shaped on the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he says, what he's about. That's the way. That person is sealed. And anybody else, regardless of if you've been a deacon or a pastor or anything else in the world, apart from a true relationship with Christ based off faith and repentance in his work, that is sealed by the mark of the beast. That is a sign of what the devil wants. That is the devil's working to have you not believing in God. Ultimately, we sing in the good old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hear how pointed that is and exclusive that is? There is no mention there of the goodness in me or how much I volunteer or how much money I give or that I always do this or I've done everything that there is in that church or I've served on every committee. That type of stuff is not it. Now, those are good things if you're focused on Christ. My hope is built on nothing. There is nothing else that I have hope in than the blood of Jesus Christ shed for this wicked sinner. That's my only hope. That's the Christianity that the Bible's talking about. The song goes on to say, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. I won't trust anything else. I won't trust the sweetest frame. I won't trust the coolest false prophet. I won't trust every sign and miracle and good thing out there. I won't trust anybody that's patting me on the back or building me up or building us up or representing God falsely. I have a book that God's given us that tells us very clearly what the Lord Jesus Christ is like. It tells us that one day very soon, every single knee will bow before him. And if your knee is not bowed before him, you don't know him, and that's what the devil is trying to do. 
In our study of Revelation, we have seen many times the parallels to Matthew 24. And I just want to show you a couple places where Jesus is saying, you need to know this, you need to know this, you need to know this, you need to know this. Matthew 24, verse 4, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. It's a common message when you listen to Jesus of being led astray. Well, being led astray is being deceived. It's not that you've just picked up and all of a sudden you went from being a a good old Sunday church Southern Baptist type of person and you went out here and joined the, the next atheist group. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a beast that the devil's working in. The beast gets you caught up in evil governments and institutions. Next thing you know, you're consumed with that. And you hear that? The second beast gets people to worship the first beast. I don't want to go too far. Are there people in our day claiming to be Christian that are caught up in politics? Is that a real category? Are you kidding me? You watch the news today, and you're going to think you're reading Revelation 13. Not because they got some crazy statue on there of an ugly beast, but because you got people in the name of God who are crooked. That's all the beast you need to know. Stop looking for stupid statues and see that there are crooked people not living for the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loves people, helps people, and lays down his life for anybody. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. Got a bunch of fakes out here in our country and fakes out here in our churches, all in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, that's the beast. That's the beast. Two times in my life I've been at the store. One time it was at Kroger down here, and one time it was at our Fairdale Pick Pack right over here. And I was checking out. And just by the amazing sovereignty of God and providence of God and the absolute purpose of God, my total was $6.66. And both times, at the Kroger down here and at the grocery store over here, both times, the person said, oh my, oh, you you better go grab you a pack of gum or something. You don't want that. (laughs) That's so devilish, isn't it? Could the amount of my groceries really be bad for me? Y'all, that's superstition. That's like weirdo. It is. That the amount of my groceries might be bad for me? Might be a negative? You wanna go get something else? You wanna ring it up? I mean, you wanna take something off? I mean, that's what they're trying to get me to see. That sounds like somebody that doesn't really know the goodness of God, that forgives sins. That sounds like somebody who believes in karma and good luck, and they've gotta sway everything going on to try to make their life better. That's what that sounds like. Now, don't get me wrong, they're probably just joking in the grocery store, but that thinking is played out all day long in people that don't really follow Christ. You know what the Bible says? God loves me and gave himself for me, and if I will believe in him, nothing will snatch me out of his hand. I am safe forever. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and we run into it, and we are safe. Whoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Get rid of all the superstition. When they told me I want to get something else for 666, you know what I said? I said, no, thank you. It'll be just right. I have Jesus, and this 666 isn't going to bother me one bit. Jesus is all we need. That's the seal. That's our salvation. That's what life's about. May you seek the Lord for wisdom and not get distracted into thinking about all this other stuff other than Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. 
turn to him. So, in hindsight, chapter 13 becomes heavy. Here's a call for endurance. Here's a call for faith. Here's a call for wisdom. In our day, there are a lot of fakes. There are a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus, but they say they do. There are a lot of people out there that will not turn from their sins. They will not bow their knee in their heart, but they'll claim Christ. Let me remind you that Jesus said himself, unless you repent, you will all perish. There is no way of Christ without humbly submitting to the way of Christ. There is no Christianity. There is no godliness if we do not come to God's son that died on the cross for us. May we have faith in that. May we endure in that. May the Lord give us wisdom to make clear to this world that has a dragon and two beasts going after it where love and hope and salvation are found in the sweetness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word for us. Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for every time we lose sight. And God, we all do lose sight sometimes. God, forgive us of our sins. God, help us to be reminded today of the clarity of Jesus, of the way of Jesus, of the truth of Jesus. Dear God, help us to embrace that. Father, help us to know that in our homes and in our town are a lot of people that have been turned the wrong direction because of people that claim you. Help us, God, to analyze whether that's been us. If it has been, God, help us to repent of that. And at the same time, dear God, help us to be inspired to represent you. To hear the call that we would live faithfully, enduring, wisely. Father, may we be imitators of God May we be a sign to the world. May we be a billboard with a message of the way of Christ. May we never confuse it to those. Father, you are worthy and holy. And the devil is trying to get people to worship him instead of you. Through us, by your power, may the opposite be accomplished. May there be real God worshipers because of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.